everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Modeling Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Lajos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson, and the gang's back together. Yeah. Hooray! It's been a while. Yeah. All right, so promote, extend, trade this week. And I just bought and I just started playing Mass Effect because I fold under pressure like Edwin Diaz in a safe situation. Oh! Lucas and Diaz, uh, <laughs> Lucas and Thomas, they are a bunch of sickos. No, it's so, just the biggest. In honor of them being sickos, what internet memes are we going to promote, extend, or trade? Excellent. Excellent <laughs> work, Steve. That's got to be one of the top five transitions right there. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so I, I kept it. I kept all the selections just drawn, you know, memes, because if we open it to photos and, and videos and stuff, too many memes. And and apples and oranges, too. It's hard to compare. We're definitely going to forget a good one, and then someone's going to comment. We're going to be like, yeah, we're idiots. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, there's so many memes out there. But first one to promote Extend Trade is the This Is Fine Dog. <laughs> the next one is Forlore 90s X-Men Cartoon Wolverine. <laughs> and the last one is not sure if Fry. Oh, ooh, this is hard. That was a little uh, sneaky one in at the end too. Yeah, like that might be the weakest meme, but it's Futurama, so I'm very tempted to put it at the top anyway. And I feel like it has the most application. Like, there's a lot of things that make me not sure. Hmm. Yeah, that that's such a that's such a broad one. I feel like and it's also such an early one. Like it's one that was around for so long at this point. Ancient meme history. <laughs> for unfortunately, I think Forlorn Wolverine is getting traded for me, which is not to say I don't love that. I, we have a 40-man roster crunch, we have to trade him because we don't have a spot on the roster. Sorry, Forlorn. Yeah, he doesn't have any more uh, meme options, so you know. <laughs> Um, I will. No, there's just too many. Like the world is just in an eternal state of this is fine. So I got to extend that and then promote Fry. I I switched my promote and extends, but I agree with you there. Because this is fine, dog is hysterical to me. Yes. <laughs> like, and then that's just like most of us all the time. Like because we just kind of have to like live our lives, but also like things are the way they are. Yeah. The world is completely fucked, but if you think about that too hard, <laughs> like I still gotta go up and get like go to work tomorrow <laughs> and yeah. like drink drink my little meaningless cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think I'm definitely extending the this is fine dog, um, promoting fry, and then trading. Unfortunately, the uh, Wolverine. So now we need a we need a forlorn Wolverine meme with the forlorn Wolverine <laughs> meme in the picture since we've traded him away. I don't. I think it was like Comic Con last year or two years ago. Whatever. Did you see like they're making a Wolverine toy of him in bed holding oh, the picture awesome. of his picture? <laughs> really? That's excellent. Yes. <laughs> I want to do. I wanted them to do a live action shot of this with Hugh Jackman. They should have totally done that. I hope it's in the new animated, because they're making, like, a sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I very much hope it's in it somehow. I don't know how they do it, but... All right, so obviously in the comments, leave us 
hopefully not expletive um, filled rants about all the memes that we left out, but all the memes we left behind. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> first thing this week is the Arizona Fall League just ended. Their season just ended. The Salt River Rafters, who are supplied players by the Mets, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Tigers, and the Brewers, they went 10 for 20, and they were the worst team in the AFL this year. Well, I mean, is, when you when you look at the teams that yeah, are combining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Christ. Outside of the Brewers, those Brewers kids are probably like, you live like this? <laughs> you have so a Bruce, couple of Brewers Bruce. prospects, uh, a Tiger prospect or two, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. But, yeah, the uh, eight Mets that went, they didn't exactly stand out or impress or, you know, too much. So, first up, Brad Beatty. He appeared in 25 games total, and he hit 292, 373, 404, five doubles, a triple, a homer, 11 walks, and 31 strikeouts. Any thoughts about his season? All I know is my gut says maybe. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of memes. Lucas, what, what turned you neutral? What makes a man go neutral? Power, lust for gold. I don't remember the exact line. I just watched that while I was making Thanksgiving food this weekend too. Anyway, well, uh, that's that's my main concern. Really, was the power. Uh huh. So <laughs> the power has turned you neutral. The doubles, five, five doubles for five doubles for Vady, great. But the one home run, I mean, uh, it's it's the Arizona. It should be should be. Smashing home runs left and right there, you know. I mean, look, this is what I ranted about, yeah, a little bit during my Binghamton season recap. In that, uh, there's a lot of things that Beatty does real well, but he has some troubling batted ball tendencies that got worse when he got to Binghamton, right? And he was pulling more, which in theory is a good thing. The worst thing you can do is pull the ball on the ground, and he's and we want him to pull the ball in the air, but he started pulling the ball on the ground more. He's just not getting any lift, and I think we've had a couple discussions where I'm a little bit more concerned about this than Ken and Thomas, who think the skill's going to come, but uh, only one homer in the AFL, even with the exit velos he's posting, is a little concerning, to me at least. I get it. I also, it's the AFL, and I don't really care. Like, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, no, it's it's been a long season for all of them. Also a totally fair point, yes. Like, this is the most baseball he's ever played, ever. And if he's gassed in the Arizona Fall League and not really hitting for power, I get it. But also, like, I don't really know, you know? That's the thing. He really wasn't, though. I mean, he hit pretty well. The only thing was an uptick in strikeouts. But, yeah, and he was hitting the ball. It's just his approach is very weird as as a guy whose main tool is power. It's like he denies it. Yeah, and it's like I also get why he doesn't want to go full like Joey Gallo. And you, know, oh, yeah. you, you don't have to go full Joey Gallo. You could do other things like Bryce Harper does it too, you know, and he hits like for a respectable average, I guess, if you care about that. But I don't really care about batting average. But – I mean, he also just hits the ball a lot, and too much of it's on the ground, but also he'll hit his home runs. So I'll get more concerned about it if we're talking about this in, like, July and August, you know? Yeah. And, like, the August and July after that, then I'll be like, uh, you got to start hitting the ball up, you know? <laughs> if, but, they, if they has one home run in July. Yeah, 
If, if, if Benny has one home run in July, <laughs> which <laughs> Lucas is ranking him sixth. <laughs> I mean, the the sad part is I'm still going to rank him. Like we're all going to rank him second in the system. There's no argument yep. for anyone else. Nope. And I'm going to, and basically I'm going to have been like early Beatty train hype to now being the low guy on him. Like what the hell? What the hell, guys? It's just it's very weird. As I own him on all my fantasy teams and turned down all of Jared's crazy offers for him last year, but. <laughs> Well, speaking of crazy, the next guy is Carlos Cortez, and he's crazy. A, he's a crazy guy. Is he? Well, I don't know. He's a crazy player. He's a crazy profile. That's that's just a fair a weird, point. Just a weird, weird dude. But he hit two thirty six, three fifty eight, three oh nine in seventeen games with two doubles, a triple, no homers, ten walks, and eighteen strikeouts. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to say about Carlos Cortez. I don't, I don't think he's good. I don't think it's really going to matter. Yep. yep. No, yeah. Well, I, there's probably more to talk about him later because this is just a regular kind of Carlos Cortez like uh, half season, but more like we're gonna have to talk about him as like a top ten prospect. Yeah. Do we though? It's gonna, it's gonna be closer than it should be. Let's put it that way. Mm. All right, next up is Wilmer Reyes, who traditionally has been an infielder, but he played a little center field, too, in the AFL, which is interesting. He appeared in 19 games, and he hit 219, 324, 328, with two doubles, a triple, a homer, and four stolen bases in five attempts, uh, 10 walks, and 14 strikeouts. And he was a guy that was interesting coming into the season and he got hurt and he missed the basically missed the entire season he, he, he played in like eight games at the end of the year whatever so for him it was really more just getting some more at bats mm-hmm. i don't really care about the performance there like yeah, me i'm happy he played and stayed healthy yep. and last up among the position players now is hayden sanger and he he hit 194, 375, 226 in 11 games with a double, no other extra base hits, eight walks, and seven strikeouts. How many at-bats was that in 11 games? Because he was behind, uh, playing behind, oh my god. That other uh, Mario Feliciano, right? The Brewers catching prospect? I'm uh, pretty sure that's who it is, yeah. Yeah, he should be behind him, yeah, that's just kind of him being there. Right. Right, so 11 games, he probably got like 20 at-bats. Like, AFL samples are already meaningless, and this is uh, especially meaningless. Yeah, this is about, like, uh, as hard to parse as you get. It's just 20 at-bats or whatever. He can say now with 100% truthfulness that he played an entire season and he walked more than struck out, so. That's true. Always love that. I mean, that is a nice little positive. I would, <laughs> if I was a competent podcaster, I would have, like, gone into the StatCast data for the AFL and seen if he had any interesting exit velo stuff, but... I think he had some. I think he had I looked, some. I looked. I might have missed an early game or two, but literally there was no StatCast data on him because the cool. StatCast information was only at Salt Lake's home uh, park, mm-hmm. and since he played very sparingly... Mm-hmm. Majority of games, like I said, I, I might have missed at the beginning of the season, but I'm pretty sure his double was hit hard. I think there was a video of it floating around or something. 
Mm. But I'm pretty sure he smoked the shit out of that ball. But otherwise, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a double. Like, you should do that. Yeah. Unless I mean, it's like some fluky double. Like, he swings hard, so it should, it should go far if he connects the way he swings. But. All right, now the pitchers. The first guy up is right-handed pitcher Garrison Bryant. He appeared in six games, and he posted a 480 ERA in 15 innings. He allowed 15 hits, he walked eight, and he struck out 13, and he also threw a wild pitch. What's the, the uh, what's the average ERA in the AFL? Yeah, that's, that's a good th- question. High? Not, really, not great. Um, because, like, on its face, that don't sound too bad, like a 480. I'm like, all right, it's AFL. If you, if, yeah, it's basically like, uh, let's just assume it's PCL-level ERAs, probably even higher. Like, okay, whatever. I also don't care about Garrison Bryant. I'm sorry. Like I can't. I can't get myself. He's to a Patriots care. fan, man. He's like your brother. I mean, I don't even care that much about football. Um, I thought you were gonna say you don't even care that much about your brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's another guy like Wilmer Reyes. Garrison Bryant missed most of the season. I think he made one start, and then he got hurt, and that was it. Um. I don't recall if he came back at the end of the year or not, but, uh, I mean, again, it's so, such a small sample size, it's hard to get anything out of it, but he is a guy that traditionally has had a lot better control than, you know, walking eight guys in 15 innings. So hopefully that's just some weirdness and, you know, getting acclaimed to pitching again and not like, uh, he's completely screwed going forward because of the injury. I hope not. Something to keep in mind, though. What was his injury? I don't actually remember. I don't don't recall either. Alright, next up is Connor Gray, and he appeared in six games. He posted an even three ERA in 18 innings. He allowed 15 hits, he walked six, and he struck out 17. By far the best Mets pitching performer. God, that's a very low. That's that's damning with faint praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fact that they even sent him was kind of weird. I mean, they picked him out of indie ball, uh, either at the beginning of the year, or mid season, or whatever. And his his stuff, nothing really stands out in terms of velocity, or spin rate, or whatever. I mean, it's just very pedestrian. And the fact that they sent him to the AFL at all is kind of weird. But I don't know. He's a little older, too, right? Yeah, I think he's 25, 26, which is a little older, you know, on the older side, but... Not like, yeah, he's not old, but... Yeah, yeah. But for, like, AFL-level stuff, he's a little older, right? Yeah, I mean, usually AFL's, like, double-A kind of guys, double-A, triple-A kind of guys. Maybe they see something in him, like, behind the scenes, and they want to give him more reps, I don't know, but that's that was a weird one. Like that's also stuff that we're not we we're not privy to. Yes, sometimes. yes. But hey, he he had a good AFL season, so good for him. Um, next is the first of two relievers, right-handed pitcher Colin Holdeman, and he posted a an 8.71 ERA and 10.1 innings over 11 appearances. He allowed 10 hits. He walked seven. He struck out 10. And he also threw uh, two wild pitches. Alderanetra uh, is more interesting to me than uh, uh, Brian for sure, but that that's an ugly line. 
Yeah, I, I agree with both the things you said, Lucas. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real ugly one. <laughs> for me, with Holdeman in this performance this year, I really don't care about anything that he did. I mean, at, at the end of the day, he's a reliever, I guess, now, and I don't really think that he's he's kind of fringy major league middle reliever if he makes it that far. But mm. more interesting, or, or that not not interesting, but I don't really care about the stats as much as we got StatCast data from him. And that was, it, it was interesting to see the changes and the stuff that we've heard as in, uh, unconformed reports from Rumble Ponies games, you know, early in the season and now having the actual data to back it up. Like, yeah, he was throwing 96, 97, which is what those unconfirmed reports were saying. And that's very different from like the 91, 92 that I saw from him in Columbia in 2019. And, you know, 96 and 97 is very different from 91, 92. Because, like, 91, 92 in 2021 is, like, see you later. It's, yeah. It's real hard. Yeah. Unless you got some other stuff going on. But when now you're throwing... 96, 97, that's... Yeah, you... If he's, like, a optionable arm, then that's, like, a huge W for the Mets and the organization, so... Well, speaking of Ws, is a guy that does not actually have a W in his name, but you you, you say that there's a W in it. Brian Matoyer, but it's spelled M-E-T-O-Y-E-R. I don't know. But Matoyer posted a 10.45 ERA in 10.1 innings over 10 appearances. He gave up 10 hits. He walked 10. He struck out 17. He also hit six batters. He threw two wild pitches, and he balked once. Uh, yeah, I think Can we're going to talk about... Discuss the spin rates instead, please. Yeah. <laughs> spin yeah. rate. Spin rate. Spin rate's sure pretty. Yeah. Um. Same thing. Like Holdeman. I don't really care about the stats too much. More interesting was being able to like look under the hood and see what's going on, and that's that's a real pretty spin rate you got there. Mm-hmm. Be a shame if you couldn't throw a strike. I mean, that's literally him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, it is what it is. Uh, before we close the book on the AFL, any last thoughts about any of it? It's a weird league, man. It is. Like, yeah, I, it really is. I know why it exists, and I understand the point of it, but for us, I just don't know what I ever glean from it. So I'm going to just let those kids have fun in Arizona. That's yeah. where the kids go nowadays to have fun. Yep. It's the, it's the funnest place on earth. Arizona. It's a little odd that we bookend the season with spring training and AFL, and now we collect extensive stats for them that mean nothing. Yep. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait to talk about the, the, the spring training stat cast data. Hell yeah. See, the stat cast data I at least think is interesting. We yeah. something from it, right? But we have all these. Uh, triple, yeah, we got the AFL and spring training triple, <laughs> triple slash lines, guys. No, we don't. Cool. We don't. We don't get minor league. Uh, we don't get minor league stack as that. We got Thomas Zapucky throwing on Mars. Uh huh. Yeah, if you may remember. Yes, that, that was, was so uh, funny. That was so funny. Uh, that was bad. That was pretty ugly. Thing was at the top of the stadium, the camera, and I was like, "Oh, thanks." All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. We were all excited, and then yeah, no. The Curiosity rover turned its camera to the sky, <laughs> shot a picture back towards Earth. <laughs> 
for me, the weirdest thing about the AFL was that they're the Salt River Rafters this year, and they're not the uh, Scottsdale Scorpions anymore. Yeah. Because when I think Scottsdale Scorpions, you know who I think of? I don't, actually. Tim Tebow? Yep. Oh, I'm an idiot. (laughs) I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the AFL locker room when fucking Tim Tebow rolled up. And it's just like, like all these kids are like, it's Tim Tebow. <laughs> like, like in the I bet there was like, wait, wouldn't you imagine there was a pretty big dichotomy between like the domestic guys who are like, holy shit, it's Tim Tebow, and the international kids who are like, who the who? fuck is Tim Tebow? <laughs> Who's like, this guy? Like so, so, some kid who went to high school in Florida, like watched him play oh when he was God, a kid. It's Tim Tebow. <laughs> Versus Juan Uribe is going to walk into the locker room to start cursing about football again. Yeah, football. Fucking football. Fuck that. I don't actually remember the rant, but it's all all-time baseball moment. It was pretty good. All right, so, yeah, that was the uh, 2021 AFL season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so all the players that we were just discussing, that segues well to the next thing that we're going to talk about this week, 40-man roster. Uh, Rule 5 draft is coming up in a couple of weeks. Rule 5 draft, for anyone who's kind of unfamiliar with it, though if you listen to this show, you probably aren't, but whatever. But basically, it was codified in the baseball rule book in 1965. It was basically uh, born out of those old baby... Uh, baby bleh, Bonus baby rules where, you know, if a player was signed for more than a certain amount, $4,000 at that time, they needed to be kept on the major league roster for at least two years. And the point of the rule and of the Rule 5 draft is just to basically prevent teams from going on crazy signing sprees and stockpiling talent and basically causing a, a bottleneck that prevents guys that are good enough and deserve to play in the majors um, from not getting there because... They're all on the same team, and there's no room for them. So the rules for who is eligible to be taken in the draft, it's a little complicated in the wording. Um, if you were 18 or younger on the June 5th preceding their signing, and this is their fifth Rule 5 draft, or if they are 19 or older on the June 5th preceding their signing, and this is their fourth Rule 5 draft upcoming, then they're eligible to be selected. Sounds complicated, but, you know, in reality, it's just pretty straightforward. It all just depends on how old you are when you signed and how many years you've been on the team. Not too bad. So, the Mets added four guys to the 40 men to protect them, and they were Ronnie Mauricio, Mark Vientos, Jose Budo, and Adam Mahler. First two guys, no-brainers. <laughs> would, would, you, would you have left uh, Mauricio or Vientos exposed? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't like Mauricio, but I'm not that low on Mauricio. <laughs> okay. That would have been fine. In, in, a, in a front office that routinely commits fireable offenses and then proceeds not to be fired, uh, that would have been another fireable offense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
All right, so Ryan Riccio, Mark Vientos, good. Um, you know, Steve, real quick, to clarify, have they filled their 40, or do they have any open spots still? No, I, 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 I counted the other day. I think they have 36 out of 40. That, that might, low? I thought I had 38. 38. That might have changed, but either way, there are some more spots left if need be. Yeah, and I mean the back of the end of the forty, you could the, the Mets could turn that really quickly. Like, I mean, realistically, they should be adding five or six reagents, so they'll need forty men spots. But I'm just curious as to what right now what it is. I'll count while you segment right. it here. Well, so those first two are no branders. Yes. No, you were right, Steve. I only count 36. Oh, okay. That's crazy. So it's odd to me that they leave that many spots open, given what I think Thomas and I are going to start complaining about here. Yeah. Um, did we lose Steve? Uh-oh. Did we? Oh, he's gone. I think he is gone. What do we do? Do we panic? <laughs> welcome, viewer, welcome, viewers, to the podcast After Dark, with where Steve has died and our recording is probably broken. Hooray! Am I back? You're back, back now. Steve's Mod back. Mod oh. sleep post Mass Effect. Listen, I, I worked all day, so I nodded off. You know, it happens. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You were saying, Steve, you, right, you um, were actually so right. Adam, Only 36 people. Oh, very good, good. Well, I mean, would you have added Adam Oliver? Yes. Probably. I'm going to be totally would honest. Would you have added? Mm-hmm. I don't... Is there a stupid reason that I'm missing why you wouldn't fill your 40? Uh, oh, to, I mean, like, you to, intend to do stuff? Right, but yeah. oh, I guess in order to empty the spot, you got to pass the guy through waivers, right? Yeah. Ah, oh, that's it. Okay. So there was a stupid so, reason. So, like, instead of, like, adding someone who, like, we'll talk about someone in a minute, like Sanger, and then waving him, then you could lose him anyway again. So, like, you I guess you risk it. No one, you just hope that no one notices when you don't add. Yeah, you just, you risk it in the front end, and then there's more time, oh. I guess, in the off season to replace him, like, and if you do that in January because you sign someone because you know how the market is, like it takes forever sometimes, like you might lose that player and then all the equivalent guys are gone, like the minor league guys you could sign to replace him. Yep, that makes sense. Um, all right, so Adam Aller, we would add. Have that Jose Budo. Uh, I... I... <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I understand why they added both, but also like, okay, yeah, I don't, yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Like I, I know because there's no pitching depth at all, but also if they're pitching in the majors, then things have gone horribly, horribly, horribly wrong anyway. And this year, at this year, I mean, like maybe in the future they do, but right now they're not even like actual depth. So yeah, I don't have any hot takes on Jose Buto. He's a good changeup. Yeah, but <laughs> I think I think we've like seen generally. Look, if you're gonna be a one pitch, if you're a one pitch guy in the minors, basically, I'm 
more believing of non changeups because changeups can look real, real, real good in the minors and actually be pretty bad. See Montero, Rafael. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think it's a and lot. a starter. <laughs> like Buto's yes. a starter right now. Like you can't pitch. Like what is he going to throw a fastball changeup in the majors? Like come on, not going to work. Um, so we'll we'll get to the other one pitch guy I would have preferred, but like in it. In a, in a vacuum, I don't hate protecting Buto, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's just the, t, the the system is so uh, that like you see his name, you're just like, oh, what the hell? He doesn't belong. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, actually. Let's, let's put it this way, right? The Mets should do enough this offseason that they wind up waving Buto off the 40-man. Yes. Yes. Agreed. All right, so um, there have been some high-profile guys that were not put on the 40, even though there are, as we mentioned, uh, roster spots open. Um, and all three of them are guys that were in the AFL. So it's also kind of weird that they weren't. But first one is Carlos Cortez, the the man, the myth, the legend himself. <laughs> Friend of the podcast, yes. Mm-hmm. I literally do not care. <laughs> so I the don't thing, see any scenario where he gets taken. So no, I don't even if him. even if he gets taken, he's returned to the Mets in spring training. Yeah, yeah. So. Like it, it like, is so much harder to rule five a position player than a pitcher. Like, yeah. The only guys who get rule fived are typically like defensively savvy backups. Like uh, I'm failing to come up with a name here. Or it's like Guillaume in some Guillaume situations. Guillaume or uh, Everett yeah, years yeah. ago. Uh, Luis Torren. So backup catchers you can get away with on shitty teams. Um, Which is what I'm going to talk about later. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and then occasionally there'll be a guy like Akil Badu or or Kaimi Tom, the first of which he worked out and the second of which didn't. Point is, Cortez is none of those. He's not a guy who's, who's like major league ready, and he's also not a useful backup player. Like, there's no way he's going to stick on a bench. And if and honestly, if the Orioles or Diamondbacks or Rangers, uh, like bad team, if some team wants to take Carlos Cortez, uh, okay. Have fun. I, I, don't I, just don't see, I just don't see a scenario where he sticks on a major league roster. Yeah. Like, no. Now. All right. Well, Thomas is ready to vent, so go ahead. Um, the second guy is Hayden Sanger. So, like, catcher is so bad in in major league baseball, and the Mets put Patrick Mazika as their backup catcher for, like, a month and a half last year. And he can't play the position. Like, I don't think Sanger is, like, a superstar or anything. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think he's probably, like, reverse Tomas Nito, where it's contact over power and a similar defensive profile, maybe a little worse. But, like, that's the type of player that gets claimed by the Baltimore Orioles because they don't want to spend money on a backup catcher, and he just plays 60 bad games for them or whatever, or even 60 solid ones, who knows. Because he's 24 already, he's old enough to be like, he should be the Mets number three catcher right now on the depth chart because of how thin the position is for them. And they left him unavailable uh, to be claimed in the rule five. And I think that's just ridiculous roster management. 
because he's the type of guy who gets claimed by a bad team because they don't want to pay a catcher because of the goal is them, for them to lose. So maybe he gets returned and maybe he just doesn't get claimed anyway, but it's just bizarre to me that you would – he's not a backup second baseman. Like that's a position of such little depth out there that he should – you should be hanging on to even the smallest type of ex- major league possibility player type thing. That's my opinion with Sanger. I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's yeah. so weird. I just don't get it. <laughs> I like, agree with everything. They were reluctant to let Mazika catch for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, and for good reason. It's not like they weren't wrong about that. I, I that, See, I, I, I 100% agree with all the Rule 5 process arguments. But the bigger one to me is Sanger is better than Mazeka. Like I think so. Yeah. Right I, now, what are we? Mm-hmm. Patrick Mazeka is 28 years old, hit 190, 253, 266 for the Mets this year, and cannot catch. So he can either hit, hit for power, or play the position, and he's not young enough that you expect any of that to change. Like I'm, look, I'm glad the dude made it to the majors. He had a couple really cool moments. He got his, even got a home run. Like he's got his, uh, 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 trophy case worth of, of memento balls, right? He's also gonna make a hell of a hitting coach someday. I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram, but uh, no, yeah, like, the dude knows like very, very good, very um, high, high knowledge. Um, yes, I could see yeah. that for sure. He has I, I will go follow him on Instagram. Um. I, yeah, we were talking about memes earlier. I just saw Emperor Palpatine going, how ironic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but so, so Mazika can't hit and can't play the position. We know that Sanger can play the position. So, well, like, this isn't, this isn't hard. Look, this is the kind of, this is ultimately like an inconsequential single mismanagement of the roster let's say right and is that going to make or break the Mets 2022 season almost certainly not but when you consistently make this kind of mistake and do it at nearly every every given opportunity marginal stuff adds up like I would argue the Rays not that I'm defending their economic model or anything like that. The Rays succeed because they win every marginal move. Every single time. And there's no reason you can't do that while also spending an, uh, an amount of money appropriate for a major league team. Like we, we can have both. And this yeah. seems like such a, a, a big whiff. See, I don't disagree with anything that anybody has said. Mm. But I just don't care. See, that's Steve, fair. you're, that's you're fair. more yeah. right than any of us here. Yeah, I because think. like I should not be getting worked up about this. Yeah, so that, but this is like but, also tied up in like years of issues I've had with the Mets. Yes, <laughs> it, it's the type of thing that like. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I was say, that's my main thing with this. Is that like is Sanger good? No, he's really not. Does he have some skills that could be useful? Yeah, sure. Is it a catastrophic error to not put him on the 40-man? No, absolutely not. Is it going to cause issues? No, absolutely not. Does it really matter? No. And I think that 
there that that we've all become so accustomed to like freaking out over every single thing that now even the little things are like what the fuck are these idiots doing fucking morons we know better because they're fucking idiots it's mm-hmm. like eh, we just need to calm down that's fair <laughs> i mean i just think it's dumb like i literally think it's just like a stupid thing to because it's not like you have to wave someone off the 40 like we if there's 36 spots available and then then there's 37 yeah. like i'd like and then that's it and you still have three spots to play with for waivers and whatever you want to do. And there's still plenty of guys you could turn off the bottom of the 40 who's not, who aren't that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I just think it's like, I, if, if there's no downside to putting him on the 40, just do it. Like I, because he might get claimed. So who knows? And if he gets claimed, he's probably going to end up getting returned to the Mets at some point anyway. But yeah, it's possible. Steve, if we had the ability to be rational, we wouldn't be Mets fans anymore. Let's yeah, just put I know. it that way. Yeah. I, I looked it up because I, like, literally maybe 20 minutes before we start recording, I, I was like, wait a minute, this this kind of I popped in my head. It's very, very similar situation. And just to kind of highlight how the reactions are so different based on how we're all now so accustomed to just freak out over the Mets, over every single little thing. So Sanger... At age 24 this past season, he played in 54 games with Binghamton and Brooklyn and hit 254, 337, 387. Questionable bat, pretty good defender. Another player, two years ago, because of the the gap with COVID and everything, in 71 games with Binghamton and Brooklyn, this player hit 278, 337, 337. Another questionable bat, another good defender. Nobody really gave any shits when the Mets traded this player at the beginning of the season. Ollie Sanchez? Yes. On the Cardinals? Yes. I mean, I well, thought I was, that was annoyed also that stupid. They, I thought that I was, was annoyed stupid, that they too. Him. Yeah, I, I didn't want them to do that. I'm pretty sure we had this exact same conversation at the time, and yeah. Bazika was, this, was the same player. <laughs> yeah, really like, what is this? We had the we same conversation about Ali Sanchez and Patrick Mazika. But this organization just loves Patrick Mazika for some fucking reason. My favorite thing about them loving him is then when the opportunity arose for him to like be the backup catcher. They didn't let they him were be like, the backup. They were like, no, he can't do it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Then why did you, you just kept waving catchers at that, at some point to keep him as the third guy. And then when he had to be the second guy, they were like, nah, we don't want to do that. He's a first baseman sometimes. I was like, what? Oh my God, it's, it's so fucking funny that Steve has brought up it. Like, we've had this conversation. We're going to have this conversation again next year with Nick Mayer. I, I'm just I mean, maybe with Hayden Sanger. Yeah, maybe with possibly. Yeah. yeah, it's possible. It's possible for sure. No, but yeah, it's I'm just not so funny. endorsing Nick Mayer's defense or anything. I've not scouted Nick Mayer at all, so don't, I'm just grabbing the first other catcher name I came up with. <laughs> he is basically the same exact player, except That's... Nick Mayer has a mustache. And it's ah, like a handlebar it's a re- mustache. Terrible. It's a really, it's like a really like mustache, mu- mustache too. <laughs> a mustache. Is really mustache. bad mustache, Nick Mayer. <laughs> if you're listening, turn, please turn to the century. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> All right, well, the last guy to talk about with this this whole uh, deal here is Brian Atwire. 
So I think he could get claimed and he would get returned. Like, I don't think he's ready to be a major league pitcher yet. But he's probably the guy who a team might try to s- stick around in, like, the back end of their bullpen or the front end of their – you know what I mean. Like, the the the, le- the first guy, the, the mop-up guy. And yeah. because he has, like, really legitimate – like, the, the, the spin rate stuff is there. It's not fake. It's it's a real good. The curveball is a legitimately good pitch. Like, yeah, yeah, but he just doesn't know where anything's going. Exactly, he has no command, and um, the cutter fastball thing isn't very good. Yeah, it's, it's literally he's a one pitch pitcher. In the data that we have from the AFL, the curveball it averaged a little bit over thirty two hundred RPM, and it hit as high as thirty four thousand ninety two RPM. That's crazy. Which is like a thousand thirty four hundred, not thirty four thousand. Oh, excuse me. The, the, the ball would literally yes. explode. <laughs> the seams would be. I mean, but that's like Seth, peak Seth Lugo curveball numbers. Yeah, this like, that's is good shit. Beyond elite, you know. I'm gonna be totally honest. If I was a major league GM, and I was, and I had a bad team that I knew was gonna be bad. I'd be taking two of these guys in the Rule 5 draft every single year and doing almost anything I could to hold on to them. Because, like, there's no cause. Bad team afterwards. I mean, sure, but if my team's going (laughs) to suck anyway, like, the chances that one of these, like, I get this guy in the building, my pitching coach works some magic, and suddenly I've got a dude with a 3,400 RPM curveball who also can walk four per nine instead of eight. Like, this is what those teams are looking for. That is the goal. All right. Well, no, I mean, like, this is what teams are, they're looking for a guy in another team system that has some physical attribute that is an outlier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a pitch and it's like on, like the numbers are there. We know the numbers. Right. And if we know the number. To my point about why I would have liked them to protect Matoyer is you literally just sent him to the Arizona Fall League, which everyone and their brother has either been to or seen. <laughs> it it uh, was like things from just and, a and, baffling and numbers, decision. And and the spin rate stuff popped there, so you're basically putting him out in a more public forum than right. you had previously. He's, yeah, no, he's like shouting. He's on the mound, basically shouting, "Here, take me, take me, take me." And then you're saying, well, then we're going to leave him unprotected. It's just like, even if you want to keep him and like, cause if you keep him, that's a dude that like the Rays would come in and be like, Hey, throw him in a trade. You know what I mean? Or like something like that. Like he wouldn't be the main part, obviously, but he would be someone that a team is like, Oh, he's like the last piece throw in. Like that's the type of value he has. But now you could get him for free if you think you could sneak him on your roster for a year. And you might not be able to, but you also might be able to. I mean, bringing up the Rays here is also really good because, let's be frank, the Mets pitching development since 2016 has been, uh, could be politely described as awful. And is Matoyer bad right now? Yeah, probably. The dude can't throw a strike. He throws a really high spin curveball and just guesses as to where it's going. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, more than with most orgs, there's a very reasonable chance that there's a relatively minor tweak that would fix this. It's it's the same thing, like, um, Jose Quintana signed today, right? He signed with the Pirates. Yes. And I was like, well, why didn't the Mets give him $2 million? And it's like, well, the Mets will not fix him. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, 
like, why would he go here? Like, he would be like, no, I'm going to go to an organization that, like, the Pirates probably are, would help him more than the Mets would. And if we're talking that, then, like, there's probably almost every organization would be able to fix a Matoya more than the Mets would. And that's when you take him because you think you could mold him into baby Seth Lugo. I'm not saying he'd be good as peak Seth Lugo because that's a huge ask. But There, there are clearly teams that view Mets cast-offs as, like, guys I mean, the they, Marin- they should acquire. <laughs> the Mariners almost made the playoffs with them. Yeah. <laughs> like, Paul Seawald is very good now. and well, Corey Oswald is going to be Paul Seawald again this year. Book it. If the Mets don't bring him back, um, the worst part is they also just the GM they just brought in is also known as a dude who, when he was running the Angels, would like t- teams would just pick up Angels castoffs. Mm-hmm. It's a similar issue. I mean, that's why he was your 15th choice and took the job too. Fifteenth <laughs> might be high or yeah. low. Fifteenth might be low. My, Steve, you should Steve, you should make your case, your anti-material case. Now that the three of us have blathered on for ten minutes, right? Uh, I just have two points with Matoyer. First is that, and we've kind of talked on it before. It's like when you just focus on the spin rate and then you overlook everything else, it feels a lot like Eric Campbell from a couple of years ago, where we're just it's like exit velocity, exit velocity, but not yeah, looking but at anything just, else. He just hit the ball into the ground. Like right, exactly. we're, we're also not acting like. Matoyer is like good. You know? I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's Garrett Whitlock, where he's going to get claimed by some team and then be a, a, an elite bullpen ace. Like I'm saying, like it's just a dumb thing to like leave guys exposed like that when your system's so barren. Right. Well, well, I just bring up Campbell because we were just looking at one piece of his whole puzzle, but then when you look at everything else, it's like, oh wait, this guy kind of sucks. Matoyer, like yeah, the spin rate is great, but his other pitch. It gets smashed. Uh, he can't command anything he throws. And I'm not saying he's a bum, but, you know, he's like a one-pitch reliever, basically. He has that curveball. And is that really worth the spot? Is that – I don't I, I don't know. And the Mets literally have another guy, this exact same guy, Levi David, who they drafted this year, ninth round from Northwestern. Uh, a, a phenomenal curveball, you know. These are guys that every team – you know, remember how every team has a Conforto? Every team has a guy like this, a guy who yeah. has something that he does really, really well, but, you know, you you got to fix some other stuff. So, Steve, I have two counterpoints to this, actually. Sure, sure. First, just because there's a plethora of these guys, I don't think that makes them necessarily disposable, right? Like, I want as many of these guys as I possibly can have. That's, like, the overarching point. But yeah, you don't, relevant don't to the stop at one lottery ticket, you know? Right. Right, right. Well, you should, uh, don't buy lottery tickets, kids. Um, uh, the bigger point is that the three of us are probably getting over-attached to Matoyer. Matoyer? I'm going to mispronounce this forever. Sorry. Twyer. T- Twyer? Twyer. Matoyer. Met? So it's like Metwire. Matoyer. Right. Yeah, he's okay. from he's from Nachitoches, Louisiana. Okay. Uh, Matoyer... Um, the three of us are probably getting overattached to him because the Mets don't have this guy anywhere else. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, too. Yeah. Like, you're right. They should have three or four of this dude. They have one. They have one. Maybe two if, uh, I mean, uh, Hamill is interested. Like, well, maybe they got a couple. Yeah, I mean, of and, and, like, Ziegler has some yeah, of that no, stuff. But, 
But also look at other higher profile guys. I'm sure there are other guys, but I'm just looking homing in on one guy with a really good curveball, which would be David. Yeah. Like every year, we should be having this conversation about a. Excuse me, as I hiccup myself out of existence. Um, about a near major league ready or cl- like high upper minors guy with interesting pitch traits that we have mm-hmm. to manage around, right? The Yankees made two trades yesterday because they have too many of these guys. The Rays made a Rays did make a trade yesterday, right? Or they, they traded Honeywell to the A's. Yeah, yeah, that's it, right? You want to be in a spot where you have enough of these guys with interesting pitch traits that you're actively like moving them on because you can't roster all of them. And, that's and if the, you're the Phillies, know. you're getting Nick Nelson. You know right. what I mean? Because you need guys like that. The other point is, like, I mean, look, maybe the Mets have a better read on who's going to get taken in this draft. Um, if you're not going to protect him, there's an argument you might want to trade him to a team that would. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't disagree with any of that. And I agree with all of it. But I'm just, you know, he's... I don't think he is near major league ready. I don't see like like I believe Thomas said he's a guy that's going to get picked and then returned because odds are you're just going to need the roster spot. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And, yeah, and, like I just I just don't see a, a a universe where he stays on a major league roster for a full year this year. Yeah, and like I was mad about Dendel Nunez and he's back, so here we are. You know what I mean? He had a little more extenuating circumstances because he needed Tommy John or whatever it was, but... I mean, he might be a top-20 prospect for the Mets. Nunez, which is depression, but... That's okay. was, he was last year, so... <laughs> but it's like, it's it's that type of stuff that, like, you want to... I want to I want the Mets to hoard guys like this because one of them is going to work. It might not be... It might not be Matoyer. It might be some other guy, but the Mets don't have the other guys like Lucas was saying. Right. See, that, that is where I guess we disagree because I don't think that he's going to pan out. I think that we're kind of looking at the spin rate and we're like, oh, great. And also to a lesser degree, you know, we're looking like, oh, cool. He's a 40th round draft pick. He's, he's going to make it. You know, that's a cool story. And, and also good for him. He, he is literally the last 40 round pick that the Mets will ever have. Yeah, because of the so, new draft. Yeah. If he, they did, they didn't sign their 40th round guy from 2019 and, you know, so he is the last one and the draft change and everything. But before we had access to the spin rate and everything, you know, when he, you know, last season, uh, well, not last season, but 2019, like, he was just a guy. He wasn't that, you know, he was like, okay. And there was no hype to him whatsoever. And now that we have the spin data and we have more prominent voices who have seen him in person in, you know, Mets prospecting circles and they like him, now all of a sudden, He's a bigger deal. And he is, I think, a better player now than he was two years ago. But I still don't see him as being a particularly good player or player that is going to make it. And I don't... And then, related to Sanger before, I don't see a reason to freak out over it. Maybe. None of this is a big deal. <laughs> I think I think I'm <laughs> but more, we spent I think, 15 minutes talking. I think yeah, no, it's just, annoying. It's mildly annoying. But <laughs> I think we're like mostly jokingly freaking out about Sanger because we've been having the same conversation about Patrick fucking Mazika <laughs> since 2019. Like it's the same thing. And and if he gets claimed, then it's he, that's who the third catcher is. 
And like, how how are you going to go into that season another season with him as a third catcher? Oh, just doesn't make sense. Even if you don't want him to be the third catcher singer, you need him. You need him to be that now because there's no one else. So you need to either sneak him through Rule Five or put him on the forty. Well, we'll see. Um, show of hands, do does Carlos Cortez get picked? No. No. Does Hayden Sengler get picked? I don't think so. 20%. I think he has the best chance to. I'll say 20% chance. Does Brian Matwire get picked? 10% chance. That's about I'd, right. I'd go as high as like 25, 30. All I right. just think there's more of a chance someone tries to sneak Sanger in for 60 games. Yeah. Because it's easier to do that if you're right. the Orioles. You could have him play once every two weeks, whatever. Yeah. You could really you could really massage the playing time for your starter and just let him just chill if you think he's that good. Or if you think there's something there, I should say. But again, like, chances are no one from the Mets is getting picked. And we're just we we. This is a conversation that was kind of like pointless in a way, but also yeah, no, it's like, that's our conversations every week, really. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Minor- we're, a, we're a minor league podcast about one team. You're only listening to this if you're really in the weeds already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it's just it's it's that's what the that's what the very minute details are. Is like it, this might not matter, but it's the process that bothers me and. It's the same process problems that have always been around, and it's supposed to be different now, and it wasn't last year, and we're not off to a great start for it to be different this year. Well, but I see, I don't even think it's that big of a process issue. It's These are guys, it, it will exclude Cortez, because, I mean, none of us he's like a, him. We'll and just, he's a weird, he's a different story anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll just be honest. None of us like him particularly much, so whatever. But, you know, Sanger and Matoya, all all four of us agreed that the odds of him getting picked are extremely slim to none. So it's like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But also don't leave a top 10 prospect in your system exposed for the rule five draft. I don't care how bad your system is. You know? Mm-hmm. That we could argue. I don't see any of these guys as being a top 10 prospect. Singer is 10. There's no, Steve, all, everything is gone. <laughs> Who's 10 if not Singer? The entire system Oh, I could name a lot of guys that would be ahead of Singer. Really? Oh, this will be an inter- this will be an interesting discussion when we get to this. Yeah, I can't wait for this now. We 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 gotta we gotta put a uh, put a save this for later because gotta save you gotta dish out the content a little bit at a time. Gotta tease the audience. I just opened up. I just opened up my spreadsheet though. <laughs> I'll just give some initials. I'll give some initials. How's that? Uh huh. I'll start at ten. So we have. Um, let's see. I won't go in an in, in order here. We have a JS, I have an RD, I have a JM, I have a JB, a DH, a GB CZ, over a H. TS, SC, what? RC. Uh, if the TS is who I think it is, um, <laughs> uh, it might be. It might not forward, be. I would look forward to this conversation. <laughs> I cannot yeah. wait for this conversation. This, this is going to be... That's going to be like an hour and a half. <laughs> contentious. Yes. Let's see. What's the most controversial one here? It might be the TS. 
it might be the JM, and it might be the JS. If the JS is who I think it is, then I also yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have words. <laughs> All right. Well. Yep. Moving on then to the Will Pondery of the week. Um, that goes to a Judge Bruce Schroeder and a jury of twelve Wisconsinites out in Kenosha. Oh boy. And yeah, that basically sums it up. Oh boy. We don't. We should not start talking about more details of this. I don't think I, I can. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking idiots. That's that's the best way I think. Fair. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from Complex. Steve, I have a question. Why do you hate Hayden Sanger? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't hate him. I just think that there are other players that are ahead of him, such as JS and JM. And <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you could follow us on do a, Steve, you should do a word scramble of the week and mix up the names of all the prospects you think are better than him, and we have to figure it out. <laughs> that's how. I'll and that's just to... next week's episode. Is us <laughs> collaboratively figuring my list. out. It's three hours long because we can't figure any of these names out. We're, we're st- to the audience, if you haven't picked up on it, we're stupid. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seipo. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. <clears throat> Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>